Greetings from the Pumpkin Patch and welcome Halloweeniacs to the 89th episode of the Jack-O-Lantern Press Podcast on the Weird Network where we discuss monsters and Halloween. My name is Michael Piccarella. And my name's Tom Piccarella. It's Monster Monday when Tom and I briefly profile a monster of the week. This Monday's monster... The Mummy. It's the Mummy! What you're listening to there is a song called Do the Mummy from the 1967 Rankin-Bass classic claymation movie Mad Monster Party. And it's a must-see for any monster lover, full of classic monsters including the werewolf, Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the invisible man, the creature from the Black Lagoon, and of course, the mummy. But I have a question for you, Tom. Do you like the smell of gasoline? Do I like the smell of gasoline? Yeah, do you like the smell of gasoline? I don't I don't think so. Okay, so <laughs> you know how some people actually like the smell of gas? Yeah, I think I know people do, but yeah, I, I couldn't say that I do. Well, it's like they don't even know why they like it, but and and I don't know why they like it either, but I th- I think that's kind of like liking the mummy. The mummy's slow, he's not very scary. The original Boris Karloff film from 1932 is good, but it's definitely my least favorite of the classic monster movies. I mean, like, the classic mummy in the bandages is only on the screen for, like, one scene, minutes, yeah. and then he never has the bandages on again. So well, no, but the thing is, is that if we're talking about the classic mummy where he moves slow and whatnot, then yeah, that that's probably, you know, goes back to the whole thing of whether or not you like gasoline smell or not. Uh, that's because you just don't know, but it depends on what version we're talking about. This is true, but that's bas- basically what I was going to say is I don't like the smell of gasoline, but I really like the mummy as a character. And that particular mummy, and I know what you're saying because there are different mummies that move at different speeds that are more dangerous and scarier, but for me, that classic mummy, I love that dang mummy, and I have no idea why because (laughs) it's not like he's as cool as the wolf man who who jumps in that form, in that form. I know we're going to get into different mummies today, but I think ultimately our job here today is is to make everyone else a fan of the mummy too because as we I was doing this research for this episode I really got excited about the mummy as I did when we were doing our book because the the Valley of Doom chapter which covers the mummy you know it really got me watching more mummy movies researching the mummy and I I don't know the mummy is definitely a really cool monster no, he's definitely a pinnacle monster, but my least favorite of all the classic monsters. But he's still, every time, and even when we were writing the book, like you were saying, uh, I I definitely think that when we got to the chapter, then all of a sudden it was it was like, well, what are we what are we gonna do with this? Uh, because it is our least favorite. But then when we were doing it, we were like, dang man, actually this this mummy is pretty tough uh, and pretty tough to beat uh, when we get into like the powers and abilities. Yeah. And he's just neat. He's just neat. Telling you it's like gasoline. It's like, I don't, I don't know why I like the mummy so much, but I find that I do like it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is a little bit weird. And then what I'm going to get into is like different versions just because there are so many different versions of mummies not just the classic, but obviously we want to, you know, we'll focus a little bit on the classic one as well. Definitely. Okay, well, before we dig up the mummy, I did want to mention two of our sponsors of the show this evening, and that's Virtue Dome, which is Tom's Virtual Reality Arcade in Moscow, Idaho. And if you're in the area, definitely check it out. You can go to virtuedome.com. That's V I R T U d-o-m-e dot com and uh, check that out it's really uh, starting to pick up speed people are loving it 
Um, and I'm sure Tom will have more to say about that. We are oh, doing yeah. an so, episode. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, let me let me just chime in here a little bit. So, I mean, the arcade is basically everything is VR. So you walk in and there's all sorts of, ex- you know, all sorts of experiences. And what we focus on the most, um, and when I say we, because my, my wife, Michelle, has been involved in building this arcade with me as much as I have. But what we focus on the most is not your traditional booths that you would go down to, you know, some place and just play a slew of games. And some people probably like that, but ours is is more of the the experience. There's a conclusion. You come in, you you could play the VR combat arena, which is like laser tag, but you put the headset on and actually physically move. There's haptic vests, so you feel the bullets hit you. And then you, we could switch the maps up. So that's what's you know better than the traditional laser tag. We could switch the maps while you're standing there. And then we have zombie experiences, which I've done almost every single zombie experience in VR. And to date, the one that we currently have, or the the we have four different ones, they are the most realistic and the best. Yeah, uh, zombie experiences for sure. The those things. So I I actually tried it, and we are putting we're currently putting together an episode right now, which will go into more detail about Virtue Dome. But we we took the microphone to uh, to the arcade, and I and Tom set me up in these rigs, and I'm telling you, I felt like I was really in that store with the zombies coming at me. And when I took the goggles off, it was almost weird to be in the arcade because it really felt like I was in that store. So it was like, oh, wow, this place is all cleaned up. Because when you're in the store, it's like all destroyed, blood all over the place, like lights are broken. Yeah, it's like an abandoned grocery store on that stage one. But it is is neat because they come after you, they charge you, and you're, you're fighting for your life, basically. And then the other couple yeah. things, just real quick, just to throw in there, we have 11 different escape rooms. As a matter of fact, uh, just the other day, I had a group of, of uh, teenage girls come in and go through the house of fear, and uh, they, they were pretty freaking out in there. Um, there's this guy with a chainsaw that comes after you, and you got to kill him, and it's really neat. Um, there's Alice in Wonderland escape room, which is yeah, is, that is one's awesome. Neat. And then we have you know a, a couple of archery games and uh, and a few other things. But uh, yeah, you know if you're in Moscow, Idaho, you know come on down and and check us out. Very cool. Were you going to offer a discount if they said something about the podcast, or is that yeah? Actually, in you the know works? what we were talking about that. So if you are listening to the podcast and you're in Moscow, Idaho. Uh yeah, swing on down and say yeah. I heard uh, I heard about um you know the Jack O' Lantern Press podcast, and uh, and then you will get ten percent off of your whatever you're gonna play. Nice. So there you go. All right. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Nightmare Three Sixty Five, which is a podcast and YouTube channel covering mysteries, conspiracy, conspiracies, and all things spooky. You can find the podcast, the YouTube channel, and so much more at Nightmare365.com. Stay spooky. So, Tom, I'm not sure if you heard the Witching Hour episode of the Nightmare 365 podcast, but if you haven't, I have to let you know that that Greg's at it again, making promises that he's not going to keep. Did Did you listen to that episode, the Witching Hour yeah. episode? Yeah, I which by the to way, it. there's a couple of other things too that are incorrect on this on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, we can get into that real quick. Like the Witching Hour, Matt Douglas, who hosts, who's the co-host of Nightmare Three Sixty Five. Uh, the Witching Hour is August first, not August thirty first. So I'm not. Yeah, sure I think where he just got, got it. Yeah, I think he just got it mixed up. He didn't really want to say thirty first. He wanted to say the first and maybe he just didn't read the book or check out the calendar in the back of our book but uh he should probably revisit that yeah he's got to he's got to get his facts right because if we can't count on you to get the witching hour right how are we supposed to count on you uh when you start telling us about how the moon landing wasn't real and you know these other conspiracy theories you have we just don't know if i can (laughs) believe it 
But but so basically in that episode, Greg is making promises about uh, what he's going to wear for Halloween. So I, I guess Greg asked Matt what he should be for Halloween. And the two of them found something that that Greg's going to need to be. He said he would be. So we're counting on him to be it. And so here's the well, clip. I just bought it for you. What are you going to dress up as? What do you want me to dress up as? You should do the pumpkin. That would that would be a lot. How would that be a lot? Like an orange sheet over you my head? You just hand? get an orange sheet. Do they even make orange sheets? I don't know. I'm sure they do for Halloween. I don't know about this. See, it's the witching hour. Anything can happen. Are you looking it up? That's scary if you're that. <coughs> so that's very scary. All it, all it shows me is like onesies. You should get a onesie. That would be hysterical. That's all it shows me. That's what you should get. A onesie. That'd Jack be Lantern onesie. Yep. And then we can get you, I'll get you one of This the, is a badass thing. It's all, it's 170 bucks though. What is it? It's that that looks like it. That does look like it. What though. is that? What is that title if people want to look up that? Halloween pumpkin mascot costume. Screenshot that. We'll share it on our Instagram. All right. So if Greg does not get that Halloween pumpkin mascot costume, it's going to just be one more promise that he doesn't keep. And I'm going to say I'm really going to be disappointed. Like, I'm really counting on him wearing that costume. And we're going to put a link in the show notes so you can check out what this costume looks like. But I just want to say it looks glorious. And I think that Greg in that costume is going to just be amazing. And and I'm looking for I'm counting on it. I think so, too. And not only that, Greg, I know that you're complaining about the price. I mean, it's what, $179.89 on Joy Mascot? And I mean, honestly, if you, it's September and they have a sale to get 15% off by using Joy 15. So you could get your 15% Let's do it. off and get your extra small because I'm sure that'll fit. And, uh, you know, I think you should get it. Not only that, represent Jack Lantern Press. They could use Nightmare 365 money. I'm sure, you know, they have all these Patreon um, people that, you know, uh, who are given money. Like, take the money out of the account, buy the costume, make some videos. But I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little worried because Greg has, as we said, has a way of making promises and not keeping them. And I just, just to kind of share a little bit of this... Sometime back, Greg promised that he was going to jump into the blue hole. Yep. Here, here, here's the, here's a clip. I want to go there now. Would you go swimming in there? That's a no right there. That's a no. You didn't, no. You didn't even give me time to answer. No, no. You looked at the hole and you were contemplating I like. I looked at the hole. Yeah, and you're like, nah, we're good. You're not going to, you're not going to jump in there. They say it's really cold. So let's give what the, the backstory. Hell? So what the hell does that mean? It's really cold. You wouldn't go in? No, it depends on the time of year. Oh my god. Would you go in? Hell yeah, why not? Alright. Then we're gonna make a video of this. Alright, I'll jump in. What if I don't come out though? I'm gonna laugh you, my ass off. Let's you tie a rope to me though. I'm gonna laugh my ass Okay. Off. So basically, Greg put on his bathing suit. Matt brought a whole camera crew out to the blue hole. And and what happened? A- absolutely nothing happened. Well that, yeah, it's about as about as much as us just sitting here talking about nothing. Because that's what he did, was nothing. Did Greg actually jump into the blue hole? You gotta watch the video to find out, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, subscribe to our YouTube channel, it will be Yeah, there. he did absolutely nothing. And then, last May, they did an episode on the area where the, the shark attacks that actually inspired yep. the book and the movie Jaws. Uh, let's play that clip. So, the second attack happened not too far away from us in Spring Lake. So people can visit, and I, I wanted it to when it's nicer out, because even though this is Memorial Day weekend, the official kickoff the summer. I'll go in the water right now. I'll swim out. No, you wouldn't. Why not? Uh, you would not. Yeah, I would. Should we film that? I would, yeah, we, I'll do it tomorrow. Film. No, you're not. Why not? You won't do it. Hell Where yeah, are you going to go? Spring Lake. I'll go right in front of that park. Uh, we should do it on July. I'm like, ah! We should do like a series in July. Go down. And to, so uh, you, you want to know what happened? Did, did Greg swim in Spring Lake? Yeah, I I don't no. remember. I don't think he so. Didn't. 
He so, didn't. Yeah. So we we're gonna do the blue hole, Spring Lake, and possibly get this costume that he's probably maybe not he could get. do all three. Maybe he could, yeah. Maybe, maybe he, he could should put the costume on and jump in the blue hole and get out, Spring dry Lake. off, go to Spring Lake, jump in that. He could even clean off all the nastiness from the blue hole. Boom! Knock all three down. Even though it was shot. clear, yeah, yeah that lake would look totally fine. He's out of, he's crazy. I don't know. Let's see what they do. <laughs> Let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. We're counting on it. And the witching hour is August first. Just, I just it, want to throw it that is in August first, not thirty first. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Well, um, I just poured myself a glass of Tana Leaf tea. Um, more about that later. So, uh, without further ado, Tom, what do you think? Let's. You want to open up the tomb, find uh, the mummy's sarcophagus, and uh, and dig in. Yeah, let's dig in. So, the 1932 movie The Mummy was Universal Studios' third monster movie after Dracula and Frankenstein. Both of those films from 1931. Now, this history is kind of varied, but um, it's kind of crazy how they got to, to The Mummy. So, unlike its predecessors Dracula and Frankenstein, which were based on novels, The Mummy was actually inspired by the real-life opening of Tutankhamun's tomb in 1922. So according to this book that I have, it's a 2000 book called Monsters, A Celebration of the Classics from Universal Studios. Actually, I'm just going to read this this opening section here. And it talks a little bit about the Tutankhamun uncovering. So here we go. Only one Universal Monster series was based on a true story, sort of. Since 1891, British archaeologist Howard Carter had been searching for an undiscovered tomb of an Egyptian king. In 1922, he found one, that of then-unknown boy, King Tutankhamun. The discovery became a 1920s media sensation, creating a taste among the general public for things Egyptian and ancient. Adding fuel to the fire was the warning said to have been carved inside the tomb. Death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king. This constituted, as far as the press was concerned, a curse. Over the next decade, the death of anyone involved in the King Tut discovery was caused by the curse. Chief among them was Carter's wealthy patron, Lord Carnivan, who died at 57 of an insect bite. It was rumored that at the moment of his passing, a power failure hit Cairo. Simultaneously, on his estate in England, his beloved dog was reported to have dropped dead. In 1925, when King Tut's mummy was unwrapped, it was found supposedly to have a wound on the left cheek, the same place where the insect bit Carnivan. Carter's personal secretary, Richard Bethel, jumped out of a window to his death. Then Bethel's father, Lord Westbury, died. By 1929, the press counted 11 people connected with the excavation that had died young and of unnatural causes. By 1935, the number had risen to 21. In other words, it was a great idea for the movie. So... That's kind of how The Mummy, the movie, started. Now, as far as The Mummy's story, as told in the 1932 Boris Karloff film, it, it follows Imhotep, who was the high priest of the Temple of the Sun some 3,800 or so years ago. He was madly in love with a princess who died suddenly, and so Imhotep, who was under the impression that a spell from the scroll that was in the princess's burial site um, would raise the dead. So he stole the scroll 
and to bring the princess back to life, in order to bring the princess back to life, he got caught and suffered the consequences of being mummified and buried alive. Then, in 1921, the British Museum Field Expedition found Imhotep's remains with a sealed box bearing the inscription, Death, Eternal Punishment, for anyone who opens this casket. Uh, So, yeah, there wouldn't have been a movie if the casket remained closed, so it opens and uh, chaos ensues. Now, Universal Studios made many Mummy sequels. However, the continuing story was sort of a retell, but not with um, Imhotep, but with Prince Caris. Now, Caris the Mummy goes on all sorts of adventures for his love, eventually winding up in the swamps of Louisiana, USA. His story is told over the course of four, well, kind of five films, if you include Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy, from 1955, but uh, but yeah, mainly it's those four films, which I'll list at the end of the show, but uh, yeah, that's basically the history of that particular mummy and how mummy movies became popular. Uh, there was a party going on at the mummy's house, everything was going fine, until somebody stepped on the mummy's foot. Well, I guess the question I have for you is, because we focused, or you focused a lot on the Karloff one, do you like Boris Karloff as the mummy better than Christopher Lee? No. I thought that, for years I would always say the Karloff one, but... Christopher Lee, he brings something to it that uh, I don't feel anyone else did in The Mummy. So I would probably say Christopher Lee has become my favorite. But yeah, for a long time, that, that classic look of Karloff is so awesome. But yeah, when it, there's the scene in the Christopher Lee one where he breaks into that jail cell. Like, he's just a beast in yeah. that thing. So I would well, say the other thing too. Lee. So, I mean, mine, mine's kind of tie. Mine's a tie, because Karloff is, does a great job, but you don't really see him as, like, the main mummy it's, like yeah, you do with one Christopher scene. Lee. It's one yeah. scene in the beginning of the movie, and then he's he's in his, like, Egyptian clothes, basically, the rest of the film. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Karloff is definitely the best Frankenstein, followed by Glenn Strange. But well, I, Bella yeah. Lugosi, though. Oh, yeah, he was good, too. He was good, arguably, too. arguably, yeah, he's pretty dang great and Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But I, I, I still think I still think Karloff did the best job with Frankenstein. But we're not talking about Frankenstein, we're talking about the mummy. Yeah, so yeah, so what do you have I'm I'm interested to see what you did with powers and abilities because there are so many mummies, so many mummy movies and mummies in <laughs> TV shows, cartoons. So I'm interested to see where you went with all this and there's also the mummy in our book (laughs) well i mean that's that's just it so when we when we started talking about this at the beginning of the episode here we started talking about when we were creating the book and we got to the mummy section valley of doom and we said to ourselves you know what are we going to do with the mummy because i mean honestly like you know uh you can catch it on fire and whatnot but what did we want to do to make the mummy more powerful, I guess? And then when we started digging in a little bit, I guess it just really depends on which version, like I was saying at the beginning of the show. And when when I started doing research, I, I dig into all kinds of other things outside of the classics, because I know you're going to do the classics, and then I kind of take a different sort of uh sort of turn with it so when i started researching things it was all over the spectrum but i am gonna i am gonna you know pop in i first want to talk about the mummy surroundings so if everybody uh, could go ahead and open your books um transylvania traveler i have mine uh, right here to page 258 and we could go to the mummy's surroundings I'm going to read this little piece here. The mummy lives in the Valley of Doom, a huge desert filled with deadly scarabs, giant scorpions, plagues, dust storms, and more that'll kill you instantly. 
Several undiscovered tombs exist in this great sandy land, and statues of ancient gods are spread amongst them. If the 100 plus degree temperatures don't get you, then everything else in this desert will. The mummy was mummified in one of the largest tombs found here, and just getting to it is a struggle. Now, I want people to understand, just getting to the tomb alone is a struggle. The underground caverns and halls are bigger than ma many major cities. I mean, that's huge. The place is scattered with large pyramids, and the travelers from all over come here for archaeological digs, to release the mummy's curse, and then it goes into, and of course, you know, all the thousands of bike trails that you have there. Now, the crazy part about the mummy is if you actually successfully get to the mummy, then you, you have to deal with the powers of the mummy. Now, if we go to the unnaturalworld.fandom.com nice. and go to the section of powers and abilities, you got all kinds of stuff. You got the curse of the Pharaoh. He's, he's got superhuman strength, invulnerability, immortality, hydrokinesis, aerokinesis, telekinesis, shape-shifting, and life force absorption. You could read all of the descriptions of what each of those things do, but that's kind of a ton of different things. Now, this is based off of, I think, pretty heavily on the movie with, uh, is it is it Brendan Fraser, where they're, yeah. they're talking about, you know, all the different things that, that that movie does. I mean, obviously, some of his weaknesses are, are fire. That's probably the biggest, uh, the biggest weakness that we have. I think that if you look at, even back to our book, we got fire, water, one of the, the most significant abilities that I could say that our mummy has in our book is that he lives as long as the dead live. So anytime somebody dies, that body goes to the underworld. And so if the mummy is, is kind of, I'm not going to say living because he's not really living, but if he's up and about moving around and you catch him on fire and the body disintegrates, I mean, you can nuke him. And as if his body disintegrates, he could just go pick the next dead body that's in the underworld and revive himself. So you can't kill him. The only way to kill the mummy is to get down into the underworld and pretty much get rid of all of the dead bodies, which I'm not really sure how anybody's going to be able to do that. So that's what makes this mummy in our book anyways the most powerful mummy or even i mean pretty powerful i'm i'm sure that superheroes and and stuff like that can come and take this thing out but uh for the most part he's just going to keep coming back and as long as you kill anything he's just going to come back in that form so that's that's our mummy now as I kept digging in more and more and more, I got into some of the tabletop games. Of course, that's that's what I'm going to do because that's just what I do. <laughs> I found a mummy in the Pathfinder role-playing game in the Beastary book, book five. And if you go to that, they have a swamp mummy. Now, that basically moves you from the desert to the swamps. And if you go through and you read this, this thing is 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 like a plague inside a swamp. So if you're adventuring about, this guy is built uh, specifically because of all the disease and the plague and and the things does that have died. Does it say how he does it say how he gets to the swamps, or he's just there? It just it just says he's there. So it says swamp mummies also often called bog or peat mummies rarely if ever leave their marshy realms those that do most often venture forth from the swamp to take revenge on their slayers while most swamp mummies are motivated by vengeance many fulfill these dark yearnings in a more general sense 
filled with wrath and hatred for the living, they mercilessly attack any living creatures that dare to venture into their dismal domains. Their agonized moans echo over their putrid homes, driving away the unnatural animals' uh, dwellings, therein and often alerting travelers to the relentless danger. Swamp mummies delight in infecting living foes with bog rot, believing that adding their victims' essence to their gloomy domains expands their power. After battle, they carry away the bodies of their falling victims to sink them into, into deep, isolated pools. Thus, even enemies that escape the bog rot become one with the swamp mummy's home. So, these guys are, are just deadly within the swamps as well. So, I always thought that that they were just in the desert and mainly, you know, in an Egyptian tomb and whatnot. And then I found this guy in the Pathfinder Well, series. in in the Universal sequels, basically it's American I think it's their Americans, but they they basically take the remains of the mummy to America maybe to put on display. I can't remember if they were putting them on display or or whatever they were doing, but that's how they get to the swamps in the movies is they they were brought to, I think Massachusetts. And then it somehow turns to Louisiana or something. And that's, so then the Lon Chaney mummy is actually in the swamps, which is kind of cool. And and that's, that's in the, in the classic movie. This is a, right. If you look at it, it's a different looking type of of mummy. It's not the same type of mummy that you would see even in like the Christopher Lee. Do you film. have this, it, a link that we could put in the show notes so that people can I see the the image? I don't have a link to the to the swamp mummy. If you look for, I'll see if I could find one and then we'll we'll put it in the show notes. But I I didn't find it. But it's in the Beastary uh, book five, and it's on oh, page one seventy eight. Yeah. Okay. And it's called a swamp mummy. Nice. Now, to move on a little bit further, there's also some very good material in the monster manual for the Dungeons and Dragons um, five, fifth edition. Uh, that that creature uh, that they have looks really neat. So if if you click on, I think I have a link to that one. Uh, you go oh, yeah. to dndbeyond.com, and if you click that, it's I I really like that. Plus, it gets into a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about. Oh uh, um, yeah, that guy that guy is pretty cool. <laughs> but before before I actually get into that, into what the D and D Monster Manual talks about, I wanted to talk about the difference between mummies and then mummified creatures because they are different. And what I was reading about in some of these other guides is that, so the mummy is somebody who died. I can't remember the whole background of it, but anybody could really die. And then they could get mummified and then they, you know, they could be a mummy. But it depends on who or what. You can even have just a mummified creature. So if it's a monster that dies and it gets mummified for whatever reason that thing will come back to life. So, in the Pathfinder Beastary Book 4, they actually go into detail about the difference between a mummy and a mummified creature because mummified creatures can actually be anything and can come back to life basically being undead. So, you can have some crazy powerful creatures that come back to life as a mummified creature, but not necessarily the classic mummy. So I know we're kind of getting a, a little bit deep into this, but as I was as I was going in and doing the research, I wanted to bring that up because it is another piece of what the mummy really came from outside of the classic sort of mummy. So if you dig in a little bit to that, you'll get a heck of a lot more information about the differences between a mummy of the being the classic monster and actually just having a mummified creature. Nice. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is there's something called a mummy lord. Now, in this book, 
in the D&D 5th edition monster manual book, it goes into more detail about how the Mummy Lord is probably one of, it's like a legendary uh, monster that you kind of go up against. And this thing's got all kinds of abilities. You you literally can't kill it. In the book uh, called The Monsters Know What They're Doing, it's a combat tactic book for Dungeon Masters. It's by Keith, I think it's uh, a man. It's based on a, a popular blog that's called The Monsters Know What They're Doing. But in that book, he goes into great detail about a mummy and then the mummy lord and basically says that they're almost impossible to beat. Um, because they can't really die. Um, the only really way of killing a mummy lord is with magic. Um, you have to have a wizard or a sorcerer or something casting spells to, to kill this thing. Because basically melee, melee weapons against a mummy lord is, is going to do absolutely nothing. So I just wanted to bring that piece of it up as well. Now, to go a little bit further into some other because you knew I was going to bring this up I have some links that we'll throw in the show notes uh, for um, mummy experiences uh, in VR so the first one uh, you go over to the steam store and it's called the unknown pharaoh now what's neat about this is you enter a tomb in VR and you're carrying a torch down these these corridors and you put pieces together it opens up the tomb and then as you're adventuring down through this thing you open up you know coffins uh, and these mummies come to life and then you basically have to burn them to, uh, Dude, that, to kill yeah, them and you, watching it right now that yeah. thing looks pretty awesome And then there's a more educational one, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Is it uh, Nef- Nefertari? I, I, Nefertari? I screw it up every or something? Yeah. Nefertari? So it's called like Journey to the Eternity. And this one is another really good one, but this one was digitally Ooh, that... scanned. So the yeah, accuracy... Yeah, really cool. Oh, it's, it's, it's like dead-on accurate to what what the tomb really looks like. Now, you go through, wow. they actually have narration. The figure in the middle has a ram's head and is tightly mummified in white cloth. Where they talk about each thing inside the tomb and you get to visit it. And, and like I said, these, Wait, these is were- Wait, this is an actual tomb and then they kind of mapped it out in VR? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And then you visit it and they have a- like a whole narration um, of what you're seeing in those pieces and you just adventure adventure through it. So another highly recommended piece here. Um, yeah, that looks really cool. Like you you it, it's like you you can actually go in where they dug into this tomb. Yeah, it definitely takes you there. Now, a couple of other things that I wanted to bring up, and I know that uh, you know this is this episode's going really long, but we got excited because we haven't done a Monster Monday in a long time, so I started really digging in. Uh, <laughs> there's some mummy posters that we'll put in the show notes. It's called um, from a, a a website called AllPosters.com, and this this pretty nice. much has all sorts of, especially the Karloff mummy, but they're good posters. They're not garbage. And they're in color. There's the the 1999 uh, movie, The Mummy. There's the Christopher Lee Mummy. I mean, they they got all kinds of just great posters. There's Universal Monsters um, Mummy poster, some black and whites. It's just a great, great uh, website that shows all of the different versions of of all the different mummies. So. Um, wanted to, to definitely, I mean, even if you look at the curse of the mummy's tomb, uh, the mummy from 1932, the mummy from 1959, the mummy from 1999, mummy's curse from 1944. Uh, I mean, you just, the, got all kinds of stuff. So the, the next one that I wanted to talk about, and you're going to love this, is this mummy action figure from bigboycollectors.com. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's that not guy's out yet. really cool. 
you can pre-order this. Uh, the estimated arrival of it is January of 2022. But if you look at what comes with this thing, it is amazing. Yeah, it's only it going to be $37.99. Yeah. Oh, seven so, inches tall. That's pretty tall. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, this this character. I might even get this one uh, just because of the way it looks. Definitely. Yeah, a it's neat, pretty awesome. Neat figure. Very cool. That is basically what I, I had for powers, abilities, other neat things. I did want to make a special announcement of while I was doing this research, I came across something in the Pathfinder Beastary 4 book. And you and I were talking about this the other day because I couldn't even believe that I found it. But if you go to page 160 in this guide, and I think you could actually get it. Uh, there's a link to this. But there is yeah, a monster online. called Jack-O-Lantern. And this thing is sweet looking. I'm not going to go into you know all the details because you could click on the link and check it out. But... This thing is pretty cool looking, and I'm not going to lie, the uh, the graphics and just what he does, it's not the same thing as our, you know, Mr. Jack-O-Lantern, because Mr. Jack-O-Lantern is, uh, uh, you know, he's a storyteller, and, and really he can't die, uh, but this guy is cool, so I, I definitely wanted to bring it up, because I did, I did see it, and I, I was really excited about it, so we'll throw that in the show notes, and uh, and have people check that out. Other than that, that's uh, that's all I had. Well, over in Egypt in an old pyramid, I spied an old coffin in an open lid. I jumped a big mummy who was mad as could be. He started to put a little curse on me. Cool. All right. Some uh, movies and TV. Uh, Of course, if you're going to get into the mummy, uh, you're going to have to excavate the original tomb. That is the Universal's original film, The Mummy, and the following films, uh, the films that followed. So you have The the Mummy, which is from 1932. Um, and then, and that follows, as I was saying in the history, Imhotep. And then in 1940, they, uh, they fought the mummy is now Caris, as I said, and they introduce, I can't remember if in the original mummy, they talked about the three Tana leaves, but in the mummy's hand, it's it, they say that during the cycle of the full moon, the fluid from the brew of three Tana leaves is to be administered to the creature to keep him alive. And so that's why during this episode, Tom and I have been enjoying um, our glasses of Tana leaf tea because that's what mummies drink. In any event, um, the other <laughs> movies in the Universal franchise, Mummy franchise include The Mummy's Tomb, 1942, The Mummy's Ghost, 1944, The Mummy's Curse, 1944. They made two of those that year. And in 1955, Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy, which is one of my favorite Abbott and Costello movies in general. It's a pretty good one, really funny, um, and it definitely gets you excited about The Mummy. Now, Hammer Horror did their series of mummy movies. They had The Mummy in 1959, which is actually one of my favorite mummy movies of all time. That's the one with Christopher Lee. And then you have The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb in 1964, The Mummy's Shroud in 1967, Blood from the Mummy's Tomb in 1971. Then, of course, there's the Mummy series from the 90s and early 2000s. That's The Mummy in 99, The Mummy Returns in 2001, and The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor in 2008. Of course, Universal remade The Mummy in 2017 with Tom Cruise as part of what they were calling their Dark Universe. 
they were basically trying to compete with Marvel Universe and didn't really pull it off. Um, then you've got one of my other favorite mummy movies. It's the cool offbeat comedy horror Bubba Hotep from 2002 with Bruce Campbell. And uh, Bruce Campbell plays Elvis, and Aussie Davis plays John F. Kennedy, who claims he actually recovered from the assassination in 1963, and the government replaced his brain and dyed his skin black as part of a conspiracy that we've never heard. Um, so they battle a 4,000-year-old mummy, and while this movie kind of sounds like uh, it's kind of silly, like the uh, the characters in the movie, uh, it has a ton of soul, and basically that's what the, the mummy in this movie is trying to do. He's trying to, to grab the souls of uh, these characters. Um, in, right now, it is streaming for free on Pluto TV. There's a monster in my closet. Damn, son, look at all of these monsters. Come on, all of you monsters, out of here. Everyone, out of this room. Come, ah, ah, you, on the bed. Come on, out, out, take a hike. There he goes. You see any more monsters? In the closet? Sure. We can go into the closet. We can do that. Okay, monsters. Ooh, look at that big, scary monster. Ooh. That's right. Let's also not forget the mummy in the Monster Squad from 1987. That one is for sure a classic. You are not going to sleep with your mother and me tonight so you can forget it and keep this up. And you're not going to look at those monster magazines. Understand? You're also going to find the mummy in a ton of books, other films, shows, cartoons. Way too many to list. But I'd be crazy if I didn't mention Mad Monster Party from 1967. You've got the Hotel Transylvania films, the Goosebump films, Scooby-Doo cartoons, of course, the Groovy Ghoulies. Um, and then, of course, there's a great Mummy episode from Amazing Stories, the TV show Amazing Stories. Um, it's called Mummy Daddy from 1985. And then another great episode from Erie, Indiana, one of our favorite shows called Scariest Home Videos from 1991. Um, Alright, and since my movie and TV list was so long, I'm only going to list one cool mummy item today, tonight, <laughs> um, and that's the 15-inch Bystel Halloween Mummy Monster face cutout, which right now it's on the, the Walmart site, but it says it's currently unavailable. I, I bought it within a four-pack of these die-cut decorations. Um, and this mummy one is definitely one of my favorites. We'll put the link in the show notes so you could check it out. And uh, hopefully it'll become available as we get uh, closer to Halloween. I don't know how we're going to find the mummy with you two making so much noise. Now, where in Transylvania are you going to find the mummy? Um, well, you're going to have to uh, open up one of the many tombs in Transylvania's Valley of Doom. Um, and the way you're going to get there is you're going to have to first go to jackolanternpress.com, purchase our book, and then you got to just read the the uh, the guide, Transylvania Traveler, because um, that's going to teach you how to get through uh, to the Valley of Doom, and then you can find the mummy. All right, well, that was quite a bit, Tom. Anything else uh, before we call it a night? No, I think that'll do it. Yeah, that was a pretty, I think this is probably our longest uh, Monster Monday ever. Yeah, probably. But we haven't done one in a long time, and I think we just got a little too excited. Get a little, a little uh, carried away. All right, well, I think that is going to be a wrap for this monster monday uh mummy music and clips in this evening's show came from the following abbott and costello meet the mummy scooby-doo and a mummy 2 from 1969 the mummy's ball by the verdicts the mummy by 
The Naturals, the TV show Erie, Indiana, and The Mummy from 1932. For more about the monster universe and the monster revolution that's upon us, go to jackolanternpress.com. You can also call our pumpkin hotline and leave us a message with any questions, suggestions, or your impressions of the show at 323-761-0276. And if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating and a review. It's a big help for the podcast, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Now, in our regular episodes, Tom and I usually like to play a clip from a Halloween Sounds album we had as kids. We don't usually do that on Monster Mondays, but uh, we just had to play this one from Wade Denning's 1974 album, Monster Mash Sounds of Terror. So here it is, The Mummy's Revenge. As always, thank you for joining us, and we'll meet up again soon in the pumpkin patch. Stay spooky. A mighty Egyptian pharaoh died in 400 BC and was entombed in a pyramid. Centuries later, a greedy archaeologist plundered the crypt for his own financial gain. He accidentally roused the ancient ruler from his comatose state. Now the mummy drugs his bandaged and tormented body through the night seeking his revenge. you. <laughs> <laughs>